0: builder of pyramids, he's our love camel toe. sponsors and sponsors and sponsors our little show. It's fucking low, dude.
1: Kathy? What?
0: I am not Elsa. I just want you to know that.
1: What does that mean?
0: I am not I am not Elsa from fucking Frozen. The cold bothers me every day. Okay. <laughs> I... Every fucking like what? Ha- like it's fucking March, Kathy. It's like mid March. It's supposed to be. We're in California. It's supposed to be butterflies and fucking hummingbirds and shit. Like do 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 creeping out, you know, and being like, oh, let us now frolic in this in the glorious spring weather of California and it's like fucking last night snow went down to like literally you can just see it all over
1: the mountains right what the fuck first of all when have you ever frolicked
0: i would be frolicking which
1: never i would frolic more
0: than i'm frolicking now <laughs> literally i'm sitting here and i know i know perverted podcast listeners who are everywhere other than california the fact that it's you know got into the 30s last night you know is embarrassing i get it i get it but i'm literally it's like 50 degrees i'm in like two sweaters and a jacket now in the car
1: oh uh, hey man i i fucking hear you i'm not i'm not even living in a car like you and i'm freezing at night
0: I'm chilly. It's chilly, Kathy. I watch my fucking fishing show, and that guy just ice fishes all season. And he's like, oh, and he's out there, and it's fucking minus 10. And he's like, I don't need the pop up tent. I ain't no pussy. And I'm like, well, I am, motherfucker. It's chilly, and I want a hot cocoa to start the show with.
1: (laughs) You can't have. Wait, aren't you outside of Starbucks? You should be able to go get yourself a hot cocoa.
2: Bitch, I ain't
0: paying no fucking five dollars for a fucking cup of hot cocoa. You are. When you go in the 99 cent store and get 10 packets for 99 cents. You devil woman, such
1: a cheap motherfucker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what? I'm cheap, but I eat. I survive. I of the
1: tiger. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Fine, let's
0: start a frosty winter wonderland show. The following show is for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. And if you don't like it. Please go fuck yourself. One, two, three, four! Do you feel your sex life is quite
2: lame? Perverted podcast. Scared that your desires might be strange? Perverted podcast. Come and join the kinky world of play. Perverted vodka. Be- <laughs>
0: Hello, and welcome to Perverted Podcast, the show where we explore the adventures of the kinky lifestyle, sex and the human mind.
1: Recording live from a dark and stormy night, I'm Kathy. I'm Count Boogie. Don't make fun of me! It's chilly! <laughs> I can't help it. I just, this image of you sitting there just freezing and shaking in a car is, I know most people would feel sorry for you, but that makes me fucking laugh.
0: <laughs> I literally, it's like I look like I'm bundled up for Antarctica and it's like 50 degrees. I'm like, Ugh. I think it's because it rained and it's wet cold. So it's wet, cold, and I only have sweats and and Crocs on. Oh. So my feet have been cold all day.
1: Don't you have regular shoes? Do you only have Crocs? I do, but then your feet sweat and then
0: they get icky, and you know it's like gross. And but I did wash my balls and feet today in storage, and I feel good about that. We should probably move on.
1: Balls, clean balls and feet. That's not that's good. Clean
0: balls and feet, but it's still cold. <laughs> I was thinking, too. I'm like, who can I call? Because it's like every time I take a shower or clean my balls, I'm like, oh, my God, don't waste this. I sh- Somebody should be touching this. <laughs> Somebody's mouth should go on this dick. It's clean.
2: <laughs> it's... <laughs> and then there's
0: nobody. And then I sigh. That... And I'm like, oh, <laughs> That's
1: saddest- another
0: month, another <laughs> month until the vaccine shows up.
1: Uh, you have the saddest fucking life, Boogie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's entertaining to everybody else. What's going on with you?
1: I had breakfast with um my Michelle and Papi Ramon.
0: Oh, very good. How
1: did that go? It went really well. Do you know that the two of those assholes have lost so much weight? It's ridiculous. They've totally gone on this ge- Quest, they're they're not just sitting there during the pandemic doing nothing, they're like exercising and dieting. They look absolutely fabulous.
0: Well, fantastic, that's good to hear. So, was there some uh, whether there's some talky talk of uh, titillation of the vagination of we, the Michelle? <laughs> oh
1: my god, we talked about the show and, and how you tried to pit me out. And we all laughed and had a good time. We're going to get together again in a couple of weeks and have another breakfast now that we've caught up and everybody's all happy. Even though I got to tell you, Creative Explorer having lost 50 pounds, Michelle and Eddie probably collectively having lost like 100 pounds And fat ass me just sitting there, you know, eating my breakfast while they're all, oh, I'll do the light version. Oh, I'll just have egg whites. And that was not a terribly fun (laughs) breakfast from that perspective. Yeah, well, more syrup and pancakes for me, motherfucker.
0: (laughs) I can lose a foot pancakes are good i have another
1: helping of hash browns thank you very much (laughs)
0: thank you very much that's foot number two
1: i enjoyed myself and we are going to you know talk some more later it's just i haven't seen them in so long it was fabulous catching up with them
0: well i'm glad they're doing good hopefully we can get them back on the show pretty soon and uh it's just the ever slow process Of you getting your fingers inside of a vagina again. But you know what? You know,
1: know what, we're on this mission. No, that's the point is that we're not on this mission. You seem to be on this mission alone. Leave me to myself. I will get my own play partners, okay? You don't need to find them for
0: me. Kelly, I'm sitting here with clean testicles that no one can touch. And you have vaginas waiting for you. (laughs) And you're just not going for it. That's very insulting to someone like me.
1: Here's my answer to that I don't care what you think, Boogie. That's your life. This is mine. I will touch vaginas when I want to touch vaginas.
0: Whatever, Kathy, just live the loser dream, eat some more hash browns, and lose a foot.
1: Nah, 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 nah.
0: I can tell that you were with your other lover. Molly problems. Because your mouth smells just like her vagina.
1: Okay, today we have a post on Fet Life that absolutely fits the polysanity theme here because it's all about monogamy and non monogamy. It's written by Lola Rose35 and it's called I Can't Promise Monogamy. And she says, I can promise transparency, honesty, trust, respect, and companionship. I won't promise that I won't get a crush on someone, that I won't develop feelings with another person, or that I won't fall in love with someone in addition to you. I will promise that I can give you a safe space when you need to talk through your insecurities, jealousy, and frustrations. When we accidentally trip an emotional landmine, I will help reassure you that you still hold a special place in my life. I don't promise monogamy. I do promise that when you hear the words, I love you, I mean it. Kabam Kabam. Poly Mike boom (laughs) There's a polymike. Walk away,
0: turn around, see what the reaction (laughs) is. Maybe come back. Get some nookie. Walk back away. Yeah. (laughs) I saw this and I was like, yes, that is so matter of fucking fact. That is like prerequisite reading for anyone curious about entering a poly relationship. That's why I loved it so much. This was an example of someone articulating exactly what you can expect in a relationship that we have both said is going to be non-monogamous. This is what to expect. And it was to the point, it shared amazing depth in the fact of what Polly was to that person. And I love that. I really wish everyone could have that approach to entering their Polly relationships. But that's not what happens, Kathy.
1: No, it is not not. (laughs) that it were.
0: That's why this post was so exciting, because I'm like, you know, God damn it. You know exactly what you're going to get with this person. And they make considerations for your feelings. They understand that there's going to be landmines. This is somebody that understands a non-monogamous relationship. Right. But it's not always like that, Kathy.
1: No, it's not. And I mean, this post is perfectly describes what uh, polyamory is. And it also perfectly explains why a large majority of people will never attempt polyamory uh, because it's just too damn hard for most people. And I get it. I'm not being judgmental and calling them weak. It is an incredibly difficult thing to do. You have to be very committed to it because unless you happen to be, I don't know, a sociopath or somebody who can compartmentalize your emotions so well that that kind of shit doesn't bother you, you're going to have issues and it's going to suck. It's going to be hard. So as an example, Creative Explorer uh, is talking to someone else. Uh, he's, he's got me, he's got another play partner, and now he's talking to a third person whom we both know and he's played with before. And there they did have a good amount of compatibility. And the question arose as to how I would feel giving up some time if they were to start playing. And I'm not going to go into the particulars, but (laughs) as committed as I am to polyamory and absolutely never living a monogamous life, the demons pop up automatically and I go, oh, my God, I'm being replaced. I'm now I'm somebody else is intruding on my territory. The difference is I don't freak the fuck out when those feelings come. I don't like them. They don't make me feel good. And I wish they would go away because they interfere with my life. But I'm not upset that they're there because I don't think they make me a bad person. And as, as just a little side example, if I were at work and somebody, and, and I was, I don't know, let's say managing an office and I was doing a really good job. And then my boss called me in after a few years where I thought I was doing really good. And my boss tells me, hey, I'm going to, hire somebody else because i want them to come in and help you do the job. They're right. going to have a desk right next to you and you're going to have to give up some of your space. I'd be like, "What? What? What? I, don't don't you think I'm doing a good job? Is are you firing me? Am i being demoted?" I would be an insecure fucking bitch and I would have to get to the bottom of what's going on and it would make me feel terrible. I don't think that feelings of insecurity and doubt and jealousy are solely happen within a polyamorous relationship. They are everywhere in life because that's what we do as human beings. We settle down, we nest, we create around us a life that we're comfortable with and that we enjoy. And when that life is interfered with or threatened, even in a tiny way, it makes us extremely uncomfortable. Polyamory is no different.
0: Hear, hear, goddammit. it! Parallels to life are absolutely true. There are so many things where change and jealousy occur that have nothing to do with love or relationships. You know, it's anytime something changes and you feel that you're going to lose something that you felt you had ownership of. This is my time. This is my space. These are my things. This everything's in order. Just like you talked about people really do for a. For a universe of chaos and a biology of chaos, humans are very, very quick to forget that it's no different in the middle. It's going to be chaos. Life is going to have changes. There are going to be things. When you talked about your change that came in, that is absolutely a valid feeling because this poster kind of set up front this is how it's going to be and listed. You know what to expect, but that doesn't take away from the fact that when your time that you have set that you've been used to is all of a sudden going to be taken from you and given to another person, that is absolutely a valid feeling to be like, wait a minute, that's my time that belongs to me, that is mine, me, 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 me. And that's where the looking at yourself to ask, do I actually own this person? Or do I own myself? And that's what I'm always having to face. Whenever the world doesn't follow my script or something I have gets taken away from me, it really comes down to what do I actually own? And the answer is nothing. Nothing is permanent and everything can change. And one of the things about poly that is positive is that when you're working it in a healthy way, those changes, though uncomfortable, they stop shocking you after a while. I don't get shocked anymore by life. I learned things in my poly relationships that now work in my regular life because I know I don't have ownership of everything. Does that kind of make sense?
1: Oh yeah, you absolutely it carries over into other areas of your life, and these lessons are so valuable to me. Uh, I, I the very few times Boogie that I talked to, I talked to people who are not in the community in any way. Uh, about being polyamorous, it's such a fucking uphill battle to discuss any of this with them because they're so resistant and so, um, I don't know, afraid. I'm going to say they're afraid. They don't even like discussing it. I get it. They don't have right. to if they don't want to. But I, one of the things that I always think of is you just have no idea how much I've learned that carries over into other areas of my life that benefits me greatly. Doesn't mean that I couldn't learn them any other way, but you tackle those hard issues in in your polyamorous relationships, your life can only improve in other areas. That's my absolute firm belief.
0: I absolutely agree with you. Going off into the next topic, when you approach somebody because everyone's poly is different. You know, there's different types. This poly was Very much, uh, I'm going to go out and have other relationships with other people that you may or may not be involved with. So there's other poly dynamics, like my poly was a triad and we all kind of did things together. And when we had new partners, we kind of took them on together. Everyone gets to have what their situation is that they negotiated. What is important and what I see a lot of times is people... They hear that, you know, they'll see somebody that just says, this is the way I am. And I've had it with me a bunch of times because I'm very upfront. This is who I am. I'm not monogamous. I'm going to do this, this, and this. And just like the poster said, when I am with you, I am with you and I am interested and invested in you and invested in your positive outcome. And I want to work through that, but I need you to think through this. Because a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't set up those what-if situations. They don't sit when somebody approaches them, so matter-of-fact and up front. I think a lot of people don't actually just sit by themselves and walk through that what-if. What happens when I'm now invested in this person and all the oxytocin and stuff is flowing? And somebody comes in and starts, you know, all that new relationship energy with the other person, and I'm not getting as much time. What is that going to be like for me? How am I going to deal with that? I know a lot of people that come in, and this is the biggest, this is my biggest peeve in people that are maybe inexperienced with poly, um, is they kind of think of it as a phase and the and the end game for them is they'll go mono for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll start with this poly thing. I've had this. I have had this. I'll start this thing and I understand, but you know, eventually they're going to see how amazing I am and then I will be completely good enough for them. Yikes. You I've so oh my god, I cannot tell you how many times it it's like that. I mean, it's like that. Not even in polyamorous, but just in like the dating world. Even in the monogamous dating world, like when people are like, "Yeah, I'm dating, and you know, I'm not interested in being in a relationship with right now with anyone, but I enjoy time with you." Blah 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 blah. And then people are like, "Oh yeah, I'll convert them. Right? They'll marry me." Mm-hmm. So it, this this isn't just for poly. This happens in in monogamous dating too. But what happens at that moment is you are now being inauthentic because you're now entering into this relationship with an agenda, a methodical manipulative agenda to undermine all of your partners, other partners, and to eventually push them all out of the picture at whatever cost to them of pain and suffering. And you're trying to change somebody who has told you who they are as a person. And you're not respecting those boundaries By trying to make them be monogamous. Mm -hmm. Yep. I've seen it. I've seen it multiple times. And it's actually, it's and I'm pretty sure in some ways, maybe I've thought that surely in the dating world, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm awesome. They'll fucking just want to be with me. And then they're like, no, no, I got three other partners. And you're like, oh, okay. Maybe I'm not so cool
1: maybe i'm not that awesome
0: maybe i'm not that awesome now i'm like whatever i get it i'm not awesome okay i get cold (laughs) in 50 degree weather i wear three sweaters my feet are cold Um, because you're
1: wearing crocs mister whatever crocs breathe (laughs) yeah all that cold there just goes in between your toes (laughs) it's
0: true in between my frigid soul so i think it's really important that the only way, because I've done that to people, too, like I've been in relationships where I have set the this is who I am. And then after a couple months, they start bitching and whining like, oh, I thought it was going to be this way or that way. At that point, there's not many things, Kathy, that I believe are all on one person or the other. We talk about that all the time where it's like everyone has some sort of responsibility that we share in every conflict. Um, or thing that occurs that's a challenge in a relationship. In something like this, I have a really hard time figuring out if I have shared with you who I am and who I am going to be and who I wish to be, and six months from now, I'm still that person I told you I was, and you're upset by it, that's on you. That's, That's you having expectations that were unrealistic.
1: Yeah, that's that's uh, honestly, if that's what you're thinking, that speaks to much more than than just you're not good at polyamory. You've got some serious shit going on if you are so immature that you walk in with that mentality. You got a whole lot of other problems in life if that's the way you see things and that's the way you approach things.
0: Well, I mean, (laughs) I'm not going to say I'm a pillar Uh of maturity in a million other ways. <laughs> but, I, but I do I definitely do see in this regards, that would be a immaturity as well. A pretty well, it significant was a, one.
1: It was a really good post. Short post, but uh right to the point and, and really allowed us to run free with the polysanity topic. Poignant. That would be <laughs> two
0: two to four to twelve separate women. That are not enjoying my clean testicles and junk.
1: Uh, Why? Why? You got to talk about your junk.
0: I'm talking. Look, I'm poking it. Yay. Hi, everybody in Starbucks drive throughs I'm poking my my junk.
1: (laughs) At
2: least I'm in a
1: closed room when I poke at my junk.
0: You know you haven't lived, Kathy. You just haven't
1: lived. (laughs) I guess not. (laughs) Gonna teach you things to do with your lover. Going to the bedroom
0: rodeo. Want to be a better fuck? We got you covered. Going to the bedroom rodeo. Going to the bedroom. Going to the bedroom.
1: Going to the bedroom rodeo. All right, Boogie. What are we going to be discussing? Catherine,
0: I am so glad you asked, because today we are going to enter into... We haven't done bedroom rodeo in a long time. That's true. And uh, I was thinking about... Some things I've done with lovers, and how it is a mixed bag. Some are like no, 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 no. Like Mew and Bunny were like no, they weren't into it. But some were very into it. And the thing that I was speaking of, that which now if thine is it? Enolingus mm-hmm. is totally hot. There's a time you should do it and a time you should not them take a shower first. Then you hope for the best, but prepare for the
2: worst. Tongue, tongue, tickle tongue, right in the rim. Pull tongue, naughty fun for her, for him.
0: Taint licky lick by the pussy or dick. It makes some come super hard. It makes others squeak.
1: <laughs> oh, boogie, boogie, boogie! What am I going to do with you, Kathy? Uh huh. I'm a
0: talking about analingus,
1: eating now, ass, do- sticking your uh, tongue right uh, in the uh, rim.
0: Oh, ah, yeah. tickly, tickly on the bungly, dungly.
1: Oh my goodness, you're creeping me out here. So
0: obviously this, and I think we've talked about this on the show before, this is not a thing that you are into, but it is for the people that are into it and for the people that prepare correctly for it, this can be a wildly exciting sensation that some people are nuts for. Right. Absolutely go bonkers uh, for the feeling of a tongue against the butthole. Are you that type of person?
1: No. Now, those who like it really are quite fanatical about it and leaves me wondering, wow, what am I missing out on? But you know what? I'm happy to miss out on that because it does creep me out, unfortunately.
0: There's nothing wrong with that. Analingus, of course. Now then, I did some research besides my own personal life of perverted research. Mm -hmm. Uh, I found a good article on bvibe.com backslash uh, forward slash whatever rimming. And so that's a really that was a really full article of information that gave a lot of stuff about STIs and how to prepare and even little bits of techniques. So I took some uh, ideas from that and then my own basically the what is good about analingus. Now, then let's take a minute, like because it is the ass and because the ass holds poop, people are going to freak out about it. And we've all been programmed that this is a no, no spot. You do not put your mouth there. That is very bad. For a minute, if we could just take all that paranoia and programming and just kind of set it off to the side for a second, maybe we can learn what is so amazing about it. First off, the, the sphincter, the butthole, and about an inch or two into the butt There are a lot of nerves, a lot of very sensitive nerves in that whole area. It's like a cluster of nerves all around that area, which give incredible sensations, which, of course, is why a lot of people are so into anal sex. Part of the anal sex sensation that people love is the entry around the sphincter. So, of course, a softer, wetter, warmer sensation Around that same area has a very similar like super stimulated effect when you apply your tongue to it. Right. So now we can understand that obviously it probably feels good. Some people maybe aren't as sensitive. Some people are a little more sensitive. But if you take away that programming and you just go for the sensation, most people will admit it it does feel good. To like, even if you just play with it in the shower and you just run your finger over it, there's a lot of sensation there. So, the next thing is, is well, how do you prepare for something like this? Because it is a butt and there is a danger of poop there because that's what the butts do. The same with anal, and you're going to put your mouth there. There's things about hygiene, there's things about cleaning, there's things about knowing when you are and when you are not ready to receive a tongue on your rim. It's called rimming. And and that is what is more important. First thing you need to do is find a partner that you can talk to about this. Because it's one of those things, because it's it's programmed negatively, it's kind of hard to bring up. And it's probably not one of those things you just go for. I don't think I've... Mm-hmm. Where have I? Hang on a sec. Uh -uh. (laughs) Don't want to (laughs) lie.
1: I don't think I've ever... Hold on a second there.
0: Hold on a second there. I have... No. Um, No, I'm usually pretty... I've talked to my partners about, do they like this? Do they not like this? And like with Mew and Bunny, they were like, okay, well, we'll try it. And of course, we went into the shower. They scrubbed really well. Um, and a lot of times you do it in the shower if that makes you feel a little bit better because obviously that's clean, uh, you're very clean. Some nice warm soapy water, you uh, get everything out of there. It's 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 good. They didn't find it particularly entertaining, but I do did have a couple partners that were like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah that's good. You insert a finger while you're doing that, and we're we're good to go.
1: Yeesh.
2: So well.
0: so. Other things, uh, can you get STIs from it? Yes, of course you can, depending on if there are microabrasions around around the anus. That, of course, can lead to uh, the spread of bacterias, uh, STIs. If you have cold sores and you go down, you can be spreading, you know, mouth, herpes, anal, anal mouth, back and forth. If you're with people that you're new and you haven't done, then obviously using some sort of barrier protection is also good. And I find the barrier protection makes you more aggressive because you're not as hung up about, am I putting my tongue on poop? So using a dental dam or even just saran wrap with a little bit of lube on the butthole side. Um, will give a lot of sensation and give you a little bit of barrier protection,
1: oh yeah, barriers remove the poop element altogether, then it's a possibility,
0: okay, so now that's something you can almost put your
1: head around. I can kind of wrap my mind around that um I don't I just find it very hard to imagine that anybody could clean their butt, their anus, and their rectum to such a degree that. Uh it's all going to be clean. I just can't I can't imagine it. There will be poop there. I am absolutely convinced of it and I don't want I don't want any part of me next to it let alone but my mouth would be the last body part I would ever want near the Well
0: buttonhole. on a micro on a micro level, yes, Kathy. If you go down on a vagina or you lick under if you suck someone's balls,
1: Believe me, you're getting I know where micro you're going with
0: this. Yes. You are getting poop in your mouth.
1: People get That's poop just on their the- hands, on you know, no ma- I no matter how well you clean, I know that it's out there. I just don't want my mouth next to it. I don't want the entry and egg exit point, I do not want my mouth there. And no matter how much I try, I think I think like what you mentioned the barrier protection would be one way I might give it a try. I just don't think I would I would gain any pleasure from it. I I would be trying it just to see if I could do it.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. I, once again, if you can't get over the head space, you're probably not going to be able to enjoy the sensation. It's that's, that's just the way it is. But for those who can, uh, you know, I don't know if there's research on your, you know, microbes per square poop, fecal inch, uh, on on what it is but all all i know is i've stuck my tongue in a lot of buttholes and uh my tongue's never fallen off i didn't taste or smell shit because the person cleaned first we knew going into it that this was a possibility it's usually after right after a shower um that you'll do some anal play like that some people are even less hung up about that um and they just kind of go for it whenever. But I think it's something that you should really consider that if it's something that you're curious about, that shouldn't be something that you're shamed for. No, I mean... Because it is a pretty incredible sensation for those who enjoy it.
1: And especially the times that we currently live in. I mean, my God, you could pull up any a uh, number of websites that will give you so much information. I remember when I was a teenager and you had to order a book it was like the only book out there. There was one book <laughs>
3: right. on
1: everything anal and you, and that was your sole source of information. And now, Oh my God, there's so much out there that it's a great time to try something new because you're going to read every aspect of a new sex act from the safety element to how to enjoy it more to how to approach your Uh, perspective partner so much about every topic that this is a it's a wonderful time to explore analingus
0: absolutely once again bvibe.com slash rimming to get a little bit more information on that if you're curious talk with your partners on that article it talked about how to bring up the subject with your partners it's the same as bringing up any kink with your partners if you're the one curious about it then you can ask your partner hey are you curious about anything to do with butt stuff or or does any of that interest you and then start your conversation that way there are ways to have this conversation and ultimately you need to know that it is okay to have, whether you're male, female, does not matter. Analingus is something that has sensations for everybody. And if you're into trying it, just do it safely, protect yourself and try to have some fun in the bedroom.
1: That's right. Is Geeky World News a social enigma? I don't know.
0: Let's ask Enigma. He should know because he's got the same name. Anything fun going on? this week sexually for you or uh are you still here with us in in lameness
3: well n- nothing like there's a th- there's definitely been some flirting and kind of like planning for after i get my second uh dose at the end of the month but today i, d- I did make it down to the pleasure chest which is a uh, local sex shop here in la and got myself a magic wand the magic wand they still make those they do. It's just not Hitachi anymore. Oh, yeah. They just rebranded it to just the the magic wand, and so now, yeah, they definitely still sell it, and they specifically sell this as a. It's now just a sexual vibrator. They don't try to pretend that it's a massager anymore. Is it the
0: solid one like Hitachi used to make, or is it one of the the you know the other offshoots? Because you can get the shitty. Hitachi uh, magic wands right. online for twenty bucks, and they work pretty good, but they're not the solid monster that was the OG Hitachi magic wand.
3: No, this is definitely the solid monster. Like, I, I specifically got the one that plugs into the wall, right? Because I want that that sort that level of power that comes with that. So, right? Yeah, no, I, I I didn't get the base model, but I did get the middle model where it has like varying settings and whatnot. So, I I definitely splurged a bit today
0: that, well congratulations i hope uh you know it doesn't collect dust but it's kind of cool because you can mm-hmm. turn it on and it you can watch it shake off the dust i guess if you're really desperate that's sad also
3: like I, I i've discovered in the last couple of months um i won't go into detail for, for you bookie but i have discovered that a one feels pretty nice down there
0: um. Absolutely, it doesn't freak me out at all for you to talk about that because that is <laughs> part of healthy masturbation. I myself yes, have is. tried putting the Hitachi, uh, magic wand on the tip of my dick, on the side, on my under. I, it just do, it feels like kind of cool, you know, like a, mm-hmm. like a massage, but there's nothing like arousing mm-hmm. to it. Do you get aroused
3: using it? It's odd. like it feels really good and it definitely something that helps during masturbation, but I don't stay hard during it. Right. But it feels really good. So I'll like, I'll do the super erogenous zone for a little bit and then go back to jerking off and then come back to it. But like, I don't oh. just use the magic wand on there. Like, maybe like right at the end. But uh, yeah, I don't just use it as a masturbator.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. I know some. Uh... Some guys really respond well to it. I've heard from a lot of mm-hmm. uh, female dominants who use it on their male subs, and and just literally that sensation is enough to make them pop. So, uh, so very good, very yeah. good. See, I'm not that squeaky. It's important, you know. Our listeners, you know, need to know that there's <laughs> options for them in their masturbatory practices. I'm not that prude. No,
3: you are not boogie. You're a good sex educator.
0: That's oh wow. Now I'm a sex educator. Somehow that I... officialness just kind of I don't know. So you got a couple topics, really good topics, a research and then a fun one.
3: Let's can we start with the uh, the research one? Yes, we can. So this article comes from the University of Indiana. And the article is called, Majority of Women, Sexed, Many Use Dating Apps to Find Partners, Global Study Finds. So the study is based off of research from over 100,000 women in close to 200 countries. They wanted to specifically look at the differences outside of North America and Europe, where a lot of research like this is usually focused. And, uh, and because of that, you get a lot of bias. Right. And one, su- one surprise from that was that women in, culture- in countries where the gender in- inequality was a lot higher actually had a lot more women sexting and using sex-based ba- apps. Hmm. Um, this leans into the idea on prohibition. Tell people they can't do it, they will find a way. Right, right. So th- these same women also reported using these apps to reform their own sexual relationships so it wasn't just for kind of self-pleasure and masturbatory reasons they actually used it in their relationships and in their in their uh, coupling pairings so this told the researchers that many of these women and these cultures don't necessarily need sex ed 101 like we often look at kind of other countries as the other and maybe they oh it's like they're they're in need of like you know put a condom on and like this is what a penis is. Level of sex ed, but they don't necessarily need that. What they need is more concrete, comprehensive sexual education. Right. So the most exciting, th- the most exciting thing, um, most exciting finding, excuse me, was that the act of seeking out information about sex, whether it was for education or just fun sexting, was a positive experience. I think we often hear, and we've even talked about on the show a couple of times, the negative side of what women have to deal with on the internet with dick pics and unsolicited. Like hit like, I I can reach out to like a dozen women, and all every single one of them will have somebody who tried to reach out to them about sex with like no prompting, right? And so this research shows that there is a brighter side for women and sex on the internet.
0: I like this uh, research. I thought that it was good that it was so vast, and that they tried to be um, kind of encompassing of. Other uh, areas, but it also kind of raised some questions, which, you know, we got to shit on every study that, you know, comes out and try to find out what's wrong with it, because apparently that's what you and I do. So the thing that was interesting is when it said the women from countries that are um, more put down, like I get what it's less equal, more patriarchal and women are, you know, kind of treated worse. Mm -hmm. That they had a four times higher um, likelihood to be involved in either receiving or sending sexting messages. So when I saw either receiving or sending, it kind of said, well, is it which one? You know, because if it's a if it's a place where men don't think as highly of women, then maybe they're just programmed to be to tolerate it. You know, like, oh, I'm supposed to take dick pics and whatever because this society tells me that I'm less than a man and I should just, you know, this is what I do. I'm just a hole for a fucking man. Right. So I don't know. So that's where I was kind of like, you know, because that seems like a lot, four times more. And I understand your point of view where it's the prohibition thing where it's like, hey, you know, they'll rebel where they can rebel. Um. But it would be interesting if they got more specific um, on whether or not the women in those situations in those countries were more the aggressors in the sexting as opposed to being the recipient of it. Does
3: that make sense? That does make sense. And I think that um, I didn't go d- delve into the full art uh, research article, which, you, which, is, which is linked on the website. Right, right. But um, – uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree that looking at which direction the, the messages are coming from is definitely important because, as you're saying, a lot of these cultures, they've just been indoctrinated a certain way for so long that if a if a, if a man reaches out, they're kind of programmed to respond in a positive way because otherwise something negative will probably happen. Sure. So, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely respect that. But as far as the other data, I thought it was really encouraging that so many...
0: Um, that it's getting more leveled. Yes. And I like this type of research because it validates, oh, yes, women like to seek sex too. Right. You know, it's like we're breaking, women have sexuality. Women in other cultures are sexual. Um, I think there was one statistic where it said the highest uh, level of women that were looking for booty calls and dating apps was East Africa, which that was great, and I'm like, uh, hey, uh, Enigma. So, you want to get a flight? Uh, you know? <laughs> Maybe we could. Because I'm always trying to find where's like the horniest place where the women are the least hung up about sex mm-hmm. and just are like, oh, I like you. This is good. Let's go fuck. Like, I want to know what country is the best at that. So, now East Africa, according to this data, moves a little bit into that. And I'm interested, but what's really cool? Now getting back to, to more of the serious stuff because you know I'm a serious guy as yes, a sex educator. It's very very yes, important. As a
3: very serious, uh, very professional serious. sex educator.
0: Yes, one of the things that is exciting about this is I was just talking to one of our listeners on the phone who was kind of looking for better partners, but they live in. A rural kind of area mm-hmm. i mean not necessarily a small city but it's just not a wide open there's not a lot of choices
3: well it's kind of like your experience when you were in texas
0: sure that is one of the benefits of branching out now of course you know there's a lot of problems with that you know it's easier to be manipulated and lied to in in internet relationship because the person has more chances to think about what they're going to write to you, what how they're going to approach you, what they're going to let you see about their life. I mean, you can literally... You have no idea who you're really talking to as opposed to dating someone in real time and meeting them in public places. And maybe even they're from your local area or work or you, know, you at least have some source of knowing what type of person they are. Right. But it really is... If you don't have a lot of options in your area, especially when you start talking about, are they kinky? Do they like my types of kinks? You know, are they compatible in communication? Online is, is other than moving, online is really your only option.
3: Yeah. Well, no, like, I, I, I definitely think, uh, like, that sexual education across, like, all of the countries, like... Where like this article, it shows that that education is there, but the, like you were saying about looking into which direction the chats are coming from, like there's still a lot of misguided information and there's still a lot of indoctrination that guides how people approach things. And so like if you're out in a rural area and you don't have a lot of options, like if you you don't know what to look for, you don't know what to look for. And so that's why uh, I I think uh, podcasts like ours and educators like us and Lindsay Doe and a lot of other places a lot of other educators on the internet like their main job is kind of reaching those people who don't necessarily have that accurate information or have just been inside of a a certain community for so long that they don't know any other way Um, and like I, I often get told it's like oh you've gone LA because I'll say something like oh yeah I'm trying you know almond milk for a while to we'll see how that works and <laughs> it's just because Didn't like I got the hell out of it? Texas <laughs> I, yeah like I I got the hell out of Texas and I'm trying new things like there's nothing wrong with it but like somehow the fact that I'm trying almond milk has like is like changing me on you've a changed. fundamental level or something <laughs> right He hasn't ridden a horse in months. (laughs) Oh my God. All right. So uh, another article that I really liked, this comes from seven news. This is a news station out of Australia. And the article is called furries uncovered. What life is really like for this misunderstood fandom. So, as I said, this writer uh, is from Perth, Australia. So a shout out to our Aussie listeners. Uh, But, but, a lot of this is still going to be translatable across uh, other aspects of this subculture. Sure. So, as many of those within the furry community, uh, you know that just what it looks like from the outside is not actually what it is. Um, hell, if you've ever accidentally walked by your local furry convention, have you ever truly lived? <laughs> the the author donned a fur sauna to really experience a local conventions uh, local convention properly. First thing he noticed was that he the first thing he noticed was just how free he could be within the suit. Since he was basically anonymous, he could be way more outgoing and playful than he would be on a typical day. For him and for the furry whom he was being guided by, it's escapism. One side of the fandom that comes out is the more sexual side of it. And while this is the more advertised aspect, it really isn't a huge part of the major culture, according to his source. I do remember one of the first kinks I kink things I ever saw on TV was on an episode of the original CSI where they were investigating a death at a furry convention. And this sexual aspect of it was a huge part of the show. Like this was the first kink thing I ever saw on TV was
0: furries, which, by the way, for our listeners that don't know what furries are. That's basically a. We should have started with that, probably.
3: Probably. Uh, That's
0: when somebody gets in a full costume, kind of like, kind of like the mascot from a sports event, Mm -hmm. where you get in, you're a raccoon or a dog or a cat or or some creature, but it's like a full. You are inside a full costume.
3: Yes, exactly, and um, a lot of the, if you look into kind of the history of furries, that's actually kind of where a lot of it comes from. Is it kind of started with mascots and it and it exploded from there. Sure, but uh, again, that sort of uh, sexual aspect is just kind of a min- minority of the culture and what the media likes to play up. So, but the kind of the summary of this article, I'll I'll just quote this directly from the the writer: "I was so so confident, it was unbelievable. I was surprising myself with what with what I felt comfortable doing. I was dancing in the streets. I'd never do any of that stuff without a furry outfit." It showed a different side of me that I didn't even know. Uh, for, for me, this article really resonated for me uh, for my Halloween scare sauna, if you want to call it like a, right, instead of a sure. fur sauna, it's a scare sauna. Like, when I'm in that makeup or in that mask, like, especially in 2019 when I worked for a, a, a haunted attraction here in LA, like, I was in a full costume, full mask, like, you could not see me unless I told you who it was or you couldn't wouldn't recognize me unless I told you who it was and it was just I could literally do not do whatever I wanted but I there's that feeling of like I could be whatever I wanted and I can just like fuck with people and it's just there's it's this level of freedom that you don't get to be when you're just you know in your in your normal normal everyday meat suit so like I definitely understand this aspect of getting inside of a costume and just becoming a different person. I think it's, it's definitely a magical experience. And I would like, you can get like the, the first suit that they, they use in this um, article and in the video, if you want to find the article um, is it's this full on mascot suit with like zippers and a full hood. And like, it's, it's huge, but you can do some versions of this and get that aspect of it. At a not as, you know, expensive level, just to like feel that experience of freedom, uh, feel that experience of just being able to live literally in another skin for a while and, and get to be another person and just kind of like enjoy that freedom because it's not exactly something we get to experience every day. I was
0: super excited about this enigma because Kathy and I had talked on the show, I don't know, a couple months ago. That we didn't have a great understanding of furries because there wasn't, I mean, there's one or two furries at Threshold that came in, you know, maybe once or twice in the 10 years that we were there. And so we didn't really have a lot of people to talk about, you know, what that headspace of being a furry was so we could just speculate. But what was great about this article that was like that big aha moment for me was the escapism. And how many people are so socially challenged. And I thought it was amazing that the person that wrote the article got in the suit themselves as a non-furry. And was able to just see what happens when you're able to drop your guard. And that's what we do in the kink lifestyle. Everything we do is about letting go of those restrictions that society puts on us. And tells us you can't do this, you can't do that. And how exciting it is when you can actually just kind of be free. And then, of course, you know, without the mask, like in, in public play or with your partners or whatever, you can be silly. You can do role plays. You can become other people. It's just I didn't understand that connection until the author of this article said it. It's escapism. So it's basically my quote is outgoing without alcohol for the socially challenged because you're not going to be seen. Because even though in the kink lifestyle, you know, we learn how to let down our guard and be ourselves. There's a whole nother world when you're actually nobody knows who you are. Because even even in the dungeon, you're still kind of fronting a little bit, you know, like, hey, I'm this and I'm that. But when it gets to that point to where. You really, nobody knows who you are. There's no real risk. Obviously, you're not going to commit crimes or, or, you know, stuff like that. But if you're just going to want to be silly or dance, it almost becomes very much like a little, like you're becoming childlike again. To where you can dance for people and high five and and make little wiggle dances and stupid stuff that you do like when you're a kid, which is why so many like the littles community that isn't sexual is very adamant that they they say they're not sexual because it's not all there is a lot of people i talked to a friend today who's not kinky and you know i tell her all about the stuff we're going to talk about and whatever and she's like oh that's that sex how do you have sex in those costumes Sex, sex sex and i go it's not all about sex for everybody for some people it is it's just it it's really that mindset that is so amazing it just a great article
3: yeah and and like they even said in the article like it is an aspect of the community it's just not necessarily one that is as prominent as like the conventions and that sort of thing but it is definitely a part of the of the subculture
0: this was this was really good man thank
3: you so much for bringing this what uh If the kids want to get a hold of us, where do they go? Well, they can find us on Twitter at PervertedPCast. They can find us on Scram at PervertedPodcast. And if they want to get all of our links and they want to find links to the articles that we're talking about today, they can find us on FetLife. Just search for Perverted Podcast. There's both a group and a page.
1: We've come to the end of show 302. If you have a question you're wrestling with or just want to say hi, write to us at pervertedpodcast at gmail.com or message us on the Perverted Podcast profile on fetlife.com. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. And thank you to all of our amazing Patreon supporters who continue to show us their faith and fidelity. Without you guys, I don't know what Boogie would do. I know I wouldn't have anything to do.
0: I would be colder. I would be no. even colder. No. I'd be in like a little tent and I'd be like, ah, I got to do a <laughs> show with my frosted finger, putting it on no. a broken key on a frozen keyboard. The, the patrons save our lives, Headley, and all of our friends that listen. We love you so much. Now I'm warm. I'm like, why am I hot now? I
1: don't know. At least your balls are clean.
0: My balls are clean, but now I'm like all warm. I don't know. Hot, boogie
1: hot flash boogie. <laughs> it's male menopause. <laughs> <laughs> it's menopause. Oh,
2: no. <laughs>
1: Welcome to
0: menopause, uh, honey. <laughs> uh,
2: at least my balls are clean. Jillian, Jillian, Jillian. Jillian, your are Jillian, your goddess. I would fight off sharks and monsters just to give you one kiss. Now I am not a brilliant man, but I can touch the sky. It's above me, you're above me, I don't mind. It's above me, you're above me, I don't mind. through me I would grow you flowers and lay you by a cool stream we could play with wild horses and watch the world go by it's above me you're above me I don't mind it's above me you're above me I don't mind I This moment's gone, I'll stay alive